0: My struggle, they only see the trouble Not knowing it's hard to carry on when no one loves you Picture me
1: inside the misery of poverty No man alive has ever witnessed struggles I survived for better days Alright, and we're back with another episode of the Thick and Thin Podcast. As always, I'm Anthony Cardoza. Today's episode is going to be a good one, guys. We're going to talk about some drugs, we're going to talk about some recovery with none other than one of my great friends. Um, he's been with me since I first started trying to get sober, I met him. We had some mutual friends. He's an active drug counselor. He's one of the guys that got me through some dark times and showed me the way of the light, if you will. So without further ado, please welcome Daniel. Yeah. Haley. <laughs> What's up, bro? <laughs> <laughs> did I say that right or did I fuck it up
0: again? Haile. Haile. Yeah, Haile. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
1: Hallelujah. Mm-hmm. Hallelujah. Yeah. And Daniel, what, what uh, origin is that name?
0: Um, it's Ethiopian, Eritrean, um, Orthodox, it uh, literally comes from hallelujah. It means the Lord's strength. Oh. Hail, H-A-I-L-E. Right on. Like Haile Selassie.
1: Exactly. That's yeah. where. <laughs> ja! Rastafara! <laughs> so, Daniel, uh, thanks for coming by, brother. Oh, man,
0: that's a pleasure. i mean like, the hell you want to talk to me for it? <laughs>
1: Well um I know you're going to have some cool stories to share with these guys. Uh I was wondering if you could um enlighten us if you're not too uh shy about it with a little bit of just your story and mm-hmm. sort of how you got into the field that you're in. And Yeah.
0: Um it's kind of like uh, It's kind of like uh everybody that uh everyone that's either been to treatment or uh had it a uh, a life of in and out of jail, kind of uh if they don't go to the, uh, you know, professional route with, uh, getting back into work or trying to be successful in life. And, uh, they, they all kind of get touched by the people who've helped them along the way. And, um, the people that I got a lot of help from was when I was, you know, 12, 13, 15 years old in and out of juvenile halls. And, um, this last time at 33 years old, I went into drug treatment and, um, I was uh, touched by a lot of counselors and, uh, and directors that, uh, all have had similar, um, experiences, and it's kind of, you know, it's one of the only fields where, uh, you know, people, the people who are doing most of the help and the work either have been in drugs or, you know, have been affected by, uh, drug and alcohol or been in the system, and, um, you know, I just want to pay it forward and give back, I don't think I'm smart enough to go a different route, like, I, it's just what it's meant for me to do, like, I, 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 uh, um, help children. I help a lot of high school kids. I've been talking to high school kids for the last 12 years. Um, I have a lot of, uh, a a deep love and, um, um, uh, want to help people in my community and where I grew up causing havoc and, you know, so it's my way of giving back.
1: So you had your own experiences with drugs and, uh, alcohol. Do you want to share your sort of drug of choice? Yeah.
0: Just briefly, I come from immigrant parents and I came to this country when I was two and um, alcoholic father. and uh, I was born in Sudan, came to America when I was two. Uh, we stopped in D.C. We lived in a church basement. My dad beat my mom, cheated on my mom, drank. We got in a big house fire when I was four. Um, my mom jumped out of the window with me in her arms, you know, and landed on the concrete and broke her neck and back. And um, my dad burned 80% of his body, like third and second degree burns. And at that time, she used it as a time to escape and come to Pasadena, and um, we've been in Pasadena, California, ever since uh, 80, 87. And uh, I grew up here with a single parent mom, and she did the best she could. You know, it's uh, kind of I had spoke six languages. I grew up um, not knowing my culture, but I knew uh, I, I, not being around people from my culture. But I was always out of the like, you know, out of the loop like, you know, kids tease me at school, call me African booty scratcher, and <laughs> <laughs> said I look like Abu off the Simpsons, and <laughs> call me, you know, call me Ali Babwa, and Sand nigga, and all kind of shit, you know, and mm. I, the way I combated that was with humor, and also being a chameleon, being able to fit in, and uh, with any different crowd, and try to, you know, I kind of lost myself in the process, by the time I was 12, I was selling drugs, and in and out of juvenile hall till uh, I was 15, and I got locked up from 15 to 18 at the State Youth Authority. You know, a lot of abuse, and trying to be a gang member, you know what I mean? Thought I was Ethiopian Tupac in, uh, <laughs> in you know, the hard way. You know, always out of fear, trying to be something that I'm not, trying to fit in. And a lot of exposure to people from different walks of life, and um, going in and out of juvenile hall and going to different juvenile camps and placement homes. When I emancipated, I went to college, at CSUN couldn't play basketball lost my scholarship because of drugs uh three DUIs from 18 to 21 my father had me go live with him at uh you know 19 years old and uh and that was the first time I experienced him and that was a, a a shit show you know what I mean for six months and then he sent me to Africa for two years to join the military like the same military he AWOL'd from I had to go live in the Red Sea and uh serve and fight, and uh, learn to train and kill my own third and fourth cousins, and that was a traumatic experience, picked up more drinking and uh, more more trauma was added, and um, you know, I got malaria and got sent back to America, and from there, just a road of uh, self-medication and getting a job, losing a job, um, going in and out of jail for dumb shit, more DUIs, you know what I mean, um, ridiculous, man, so. I'm blessed, man. I, I I would get myself together and never forgive myself and always play God and continue to punish myself, you know what I mean? And uh, the story of my life is uh, letting go, um, not living in the past and, you know, living in the moment. Uh, you know, I, I hit a palm tree going 90 in 2007 and I broke everything below my waist and I felt so shit about myself and I picked myself up, you know. For eight, six months at a time, do well in recovery, get sober, get sober up to two years, become a drug and alcohol counselor, and then the bright idea would come into place to, uh, hey, you, you, maybe you could just sell it and not do it, you know what I mean? <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know what I mean? I'd get the German car, get the loft, get a beautiful girlfriend, and fuck that off. Like, you know what I mean? I'm addicted to uh, pussy property and prestige and um, the three Ps, and i fuck that off, you know what I mean? And um, just self-sabotage, countless self-sabotage, and, um, you know, just feeling sorry for myself. I have uh, I, My my loving mother did the best she could, and she surrounded me around a lot of perfect examples. I complained about um, not having my father when I was younger and being ignorant and not knowing. My mom surrounded me by a lot of positive influences, and, you know, I had uncles that were engineers and doctors from UCLA and all kind of things, and I just... I wanted to fuck up. I wanted to fit in with the cool crowd. I wanted to do the things that I did because I didn't. I wasn't okay with being myself, or I never felt that I deserved it to be happier, the success. And I surrounded myself with lesser competitors, and I, it was easier to not challenge myself. And people that do work, hit the put their head down and hit the ground running. I, I have a lot of admiration for. You know, people that have come from way worse situations, been through way worse traumas than me. I was shot at 15, 19, and twenty one, and I made. I was shot at 15, 19, and 21 years old, and I use that as a a part of my story, not to make people uh, feel sorry for me, but just to let them know, like, you know, how dumb we are when we're in addiction and, like, how fast we forget the trauma that we've been through and the lessons and ominous warnings that God has put in front of us, you know, and uh, I ignore, and I didn't heed any of those warnings. Each time, I tried to say it was going to be different the next time, you know, Oh, but God had a different plan, you know what I mean? With metal in my legs, God gave me a baby, you know. and um brought this beautiful woman in my life. I met her. I met her sister at waiting tables at P.F. Chang's. I worked there for ten years. I worked at Ruth's Chris for twelve years. And she's like, "You're a little too young for me, you know." But I, I hooked you up with my little sister. Because uh, <laughs> you were game with <laughs> I've been on that blind date for twelve years, brother. Twelve years <laughs> of blind
2: date, man, man.
0: She's been there, dog, through all of that shit, man. Cheating on her, uh, breaking up, getting back together, having a baby. Um, we stayed together the longest since we've had the baby. I got engaged to her when my son was two, and um, we're still engaged. He's eight years old, so he might be the best man in my way. <laughs> my <laughs> fucker got a mustache now. We're going to wait until he graduates high school, then we're going to get married.
1: So when did you decide enough was enough? When was like did you this, have a moment? Where this, this
0: last time. I'll, now I've, I've been sober. Um, come this month on April twenty fourth will be three years. Yeah. Again, mm-hmm. and um. This last time, uh, like I got this job, a dream job, a uh, uh somewhere at a steakhouse, and um, I was uh, waiting tables, us also, and um, was making a lot of money. Um, got you know got the German car, got the, got the uh. This is some nigga shit. Like how you live in a a one bedroom apartment and then get a loft downtown. Yeah, that's you know? how... some nigga shit, bro. <laughs> and then um you know, I was doing what I thought I was doing being a provider and all that and um uh paying for my son to go to the best private preschool, which was ignorant um in <laughs> private preschool, private. <laughs> <the hell? laughs> and uh man, I'm doing coke with my managers and the CEO and uh drinking every night, and my body started breaking down, I was having health problems, my gallbladder got removed, and I just started, uh, you know, blacking out a lot faster after my gallbladder removed, and I was doing stupid shit, drove, got a, my, you know, my, my my third, my fourth DUI, and, and, um, that was a strike, and then the last strike was me fighting a gay dude at work, and, and, um, fighting cops outside of my job, and then waking up in jail, and lost my job the next day, and, um, a month later, I lost my apartment, but six months prior to this, I had fell at work and hurt my knee on the ground, and I was out of work for four months prior to this, and this was my second month back, and, um, and, um, you know, it was just, the timing was bad, everything, what was going on was, like, it was all through the alcoholism and all those feelings of like. Man, you used to help people. You were sober at one time, and now this is how you live in ungrateful again, and you're putting this girl through all this hell. I lived in a cottage over the wall next door to my mom. My mom would see me at six in the morning, looking down the ground, trying to pick up white shit off the ground, and um, it was it was just heartbreaking. I was I was hurting all the people around me, and I was hurting myself, and. I was losing my mind. I got into harder drugs each time. Every time I had a relapse, I'd go back and say, "Let me try this." I ain't never tried this shit, and it was like, man. Now I know why I never tried this shit. You know what I mean? Like all those stories that I heard from people in meetings. They give you all these warnings, like people don't listen in meetings. Like people, the blessing of going to meetings is you get to hear the shit you don't hope. You hope you never have to go through. You know what I mean? And um, but when I get high, that obsession hits, and I don't, I don't, I forget all that. You know. I suffer from CRS. Can't remember shit. You know what I mean? When I, when, when I want what I want in the moment, and the obsession kicks in, like I'll forget the pain and suffering a week or a month ago. You know what I mean? Hundred yeah. percent. And um, that's, and th- I went to treat. I went to treatment. The first time I've been to treatment was when I was 15, but it wasn't treatment. I was in jail. You know, that was the first exposure to being sober and 12 steps and counselors mm-hmm. and therapists. And now. This is the first time I went as an adult. I had been a counselor as an adult, and this is my first time going to a facility. I went to a county facility. is a a, a a nonprofit in um, Pasadena is very legendary called Grandview, and um, it was literally two blocks from my mom's house. I walked down the street. I was on the waiting list for a week. I just walked there and said, "I've been waiting on the waiting list for a week. I need to. I need to get in here. I'm losing my apartment. My, I lost my family." Prior to this, too, this is February. My son's mother, I caught her on facebook cheating on me Mm -hmm. and with methamphetamine that was like the worst thing that could happen because methamphetamine turns you into a detective that never solves a case so it's like i set up cameras and shit all throughout my house and um you know i'm like i'm gonna catch this bitch you know what i mean but i i set up cameras and all that from a facebook a chat that she was doing with somebody was just giving her attention you know what i mean somebody was just showing her love um I, I, I'm out at strip clubs till three in the morning with my coworkers, but I'm mad somebody's talking to my How could you? beautiful fiance. You know what I mean? So I'm setting up cameras and shit, and forgot to you know hook up the wires to go to the cameras. You know? So I'm more like an Inspector Tragic. So methamphetamine and fear of your girl cheating on you and conspiracy DVDs and YouTube don't like don't go on YouTube and smoke methamphetamine. That shit is the worst combination ever. You know what I mean? The fear that sets in. When you're watching YouTube on meth, is ridiculous, bro. (laughs) So fuck conspiracy theories when you're high on meth. Now that I'm sober, I can laugh at some of it. And, um, you know, I still get entertained by some of it. But It doesn't consume my life like it used to. That fear was so overwhelming that it would cripple me and make me think I could solve the world problems from my bedroom naked Mm -hmm. with a gun on my lap. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And um, the apartment, her cheating on me, all this happened in the month of February. So it was like a bad... Fuck, it was a fucked-up Black History Month for me, you know what I mean? And, then, <laughs> and uh, I went to Grandview, man, and I had to humble myself and forget everything I thought I knew about recovery. I had to forget everything I thought I knew about, um, you know, my, my magic magnifying mind and my experiences and my uh, terminal uniqueness and what made me different from everyone and started to look at what made me the same as these people that had found a solution. And I had to be counseled by people that I was in recovery longer than, and I had to be, you know, I had to take advice from people that knew me when I was doing good and tuck my head down and ask for help, you know. And uh, I spent six months there. I was one of the last people to be on a county uh, and, at a treatment like that. They've got six months before they went to this new drug medi law in June of 2017. Uh, And it's been three years now, that new law, and it's changed recovery all over California, man. Like, private pay insurance has been affected by it, and um, government treatment centers and county treatment centers have been affected by that. And um, I I got out, and I got a sober living, and um, I've been on my own. I got out of that sober living about a year ago or two years ago, uh, 18 months ago. Now I live with a 55-year-old ex-crackhead who's 13 years sober, and I live on a horse ranch in Altadena, and I get to see my family every weekend, and I work in uh, five days at a treatment center, and uh, I still volunteer with those kids, and it's the happiest I've been in a long time, you know what I mean, and uh, it's it's crazy, uh, I'm not doing what I used to do, I'm not making the money I used to make, I don't have the things that I used to have, but I have this peace of mind, and I'm sponsoring young men, uh, I help a lot of people when I can, man, and, I don't tell people about it. This, pod, this podcast is going to fuck up my humility. <laughs> because I'm telling you all the shit I do. And that's kind of the thing. I'm, I'm a fact finder, a uh, scorekeeper. And uh, I want the credit for the shit I did. I'm very petty. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. If I put money in the charge basket... I look at the preacher and make sure he knew that I'm putting in that $20 yeah. bill. Like, and I don't want to put it in an envelope. I got to put it on raw. I got to put that $20 in the basket raw so it sits on top of all the envelopes and act like I put in more when I'm not tithing what everyone else is tithing. But I'll help a lady across the street. I want to tell somebody about that shit. I'm very petty and immature, but I'm learning more in my old age to be um, more hum- humble, you know what I mean? And the relationship I have with my son's mother, I forgave her. You know, I did an inventory and, through this process again, um, I've gained a lot of old trust and friends back, I've become more reliable, I pick up the phone, people call, I'm not hiding out, you know, and I'm taking care of my health, I'm still dealing with some that I just had my 27th surgery in 12 years, I had a hip replacement, and I'm going back to work tomorrow, I've been out for a month, and, um, I met people like you again in this last recovery, and, uh, lifelong relationships, you know what I mean, and, um, People that I can really say don't want something from me, don't need something from me, and that I don't have to be something for them, that I just can be myself. Being myself is what I get from you. I I, I admire you for that because you've always been who you are when I met you till now, you know, regardless of your journey and what you've been through. We can go to a meeting, you'd be like, man, this shit, it sucks, you know what I mean? <laughs> We'd be at a meeting, you'd be talking about motherfuckers, and I'd be like, you are right, this shit does suck. You don't always have to act like you like everything, you know what I mean? Yeah. And there's, you know, but meetings, meetings are like pizza, you know what I mean? You just go to a different meeting, different toppings, right. and um, for me, I stay in it, man, and I'm glad that I've kept the relationship with you and got to talk to you and uh, be there with you through this journey, and... Um, I just, uh, I'm blessed for what I, I'm blessed for what I've experienced. I no longer lived in that trauma. I understand that I've survived through a lot of shit, and it could be a testimony for those that are having a, a downtrodden time and think that they have been through something that they can't recover from. And I'm still recovering from it. And by all means, I'm not perfect, you know.
1: Well, there's there's so much I want to ask you just yeah. about that kind of stuff right there. Okay, so. Yeah. Uh, to backtrack a little bit, um, yeah. uh, you said when you were first uh, uh, in, in uh, prison, that's when you got an uh, exposure to the meetings and the counseling. Yeah. Was that something you wanted to do? Was it like you don't have time to do anything else? And did you think you have a problem? And I,
0: as a teenager, no, because mm-hmm. I was too young – you don't learn. I mean, at, the, at, at that young, it's like, nigga, you can't scare me. I'm Ethiopian Tupac. Yeah. You know? Motherfucking <laughs> well, counselors coming in here like scared straight. They're acting like it was, you know, the 70s where they like, you don't want to come in here, boy. I'll make you my girlfriend. Yeah. I'm like, okay. <laughs> like, this guy, does he know I'm a gangster? He'll like,
1: get along great. Yeah. All right, buddy.
0: <laughs> okay, Chad. You know what I mean? <laughs> They were all people that they all all the counselors were college students from around that area and those placements like they all were college students who were working as counselors at at juvenile placements and treatment centers when i went to ya it was different you know what i mean that shit was scary cuz they housed people have been there to, up until 25 mm-hmm. so um the whole time you're wearing a facade trying to survive and act gangster have your chest out mm-hmm. and when i get out no one cares that you were just gone in jail gang banging for your hood or you know what I mean? Right. Or representing for where you're, you know what I mean, where you come from. And um, they forget about what you did. And it's about, oh, yeah. Oh, let me earn their respect again now that I'm just out. And uh, I didn't care about what I just learned. You know what I mean? Right. It wasn't until, but I always remember what I heard. I always remember like the, 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 the uh, I always remember what I heard. I always remember the effect and the effect people have had on me. And I took something from all those people. I just didn't implement it into my life. Until things got dire, like, when when can things get dire? I've been shot three times, I hit a palm tree going 90, and like, when are things going to be dire enough? But when I finally, ultimately made the choice to help people, it was after 10 years of me already volunteering at the local Pasadena Unified School District uh, Continuation School at Rose City. I was doing a a panel there talking to at-risk kids, and people always told me, you should be a counselor, you should be a counselor. From that point, and, and I, it's always in the back of my mind, after this restaurant, I was going to be a restaurateur and travel the world and, you know, be a sommelier and open my own restaurant. And um, it got to the point where I couldn't even taste the wine anymore and, you know, I didn't enjoy marijuana. I used to be a, a, a connoisseur of marijuana and, uh, you know, I could, it was just about getting high, getting drunk, you know what I mean? Coke and meth and heroin robbed me of all efficacy. It robbed me of all passion. Mm -hmm. and um i didn't think i could complete goals that i set out for it was not deter. i lived in a lot of fear you know what i mean was crippled by that i was inspired by i was always inspired by those who had been through so much shit were always able to turn it around it's about the america's the story about the second chance you know people coming back doing the great comeback and this was my great comeback, in the way that I could help out. And this time, it's been the most consistent and the longest. Happen. I've had a lot of good results. I just finished a year, uh, in a year and a half of uh, counseling school, and I'm waiting on a state test. But um, I'm making a lot of good new relationships, and I have a new efficacy, self-efficacy in myself, and a new belief that I that I can achieve the goals that I set out to do.
1: Yeah, I think one of the things that you you told me that stuck with me uh, um, throughout the past couple of years is uh, when I was using heavily and then I relapsed. I was doing I always do really good when I'm sober and then I relapse and I fuck off everything in a matter of a week, you know. Yeah. And then uh, I remember you were telling me you're like, look how much you lost in a short period of time, and I was like, oh fuck, like it took me months or even years to get some of that stuff, and I just pissed it away in literally like a weekend just for yeah. my fucking crazy behavior, you know? Yeah. Oh my
0: god, the day before. In our in recovery, in the book that we read, it tells you the day before or the night before a great event or a big event or a life-changing ordeal, we self-sabotage ourselves and we'll fuck it up. You know, there's many stories about that in the beginning of the book, and there's many times where I had studio sessions with, you know, big recording artists, and I was, you know, and I'd come to the studio session on a three-day binge high and not energized and drought dried up and not able to sing and perform, and I'd let people down that took the chance on me to put me in those situations and I'd burn bridges and opportunities and so much uh you know so many opportunities and what you call that there's a the, the the p word that everyone uses which is potential and everyone who loves you that doesn't know how to hurt your feelings always say man you have so much potential and I've stolen so much potential blessings from people that have given me potential blessings. All those potential coupons that you get from loved ones and people that invest in you. I've shitted on so many people. and and uh, That's who I let down is myself. But ultimately, a lot of those people who invested in me and um, wanted me to do good and were rooting for me. You know what I mean? But we lose it faster than we gain it, man. Mm.
1: What does uh, Sonny say in uh, Bronx Tale? He's like... It- the saddest thing in life is wasted talent. Yeah, I don't think it says it in that voice, yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's so true, right? <laughs> it's so true. Like, how many addicts have we seen? Or okay, for not even for us, just think of like the, the general population. For you guys listening out there, um, you know, Amy Winehouse or Kurt Cobain, like yeah. famous artists that yeah, have all yeah. this potential, and they just you know they're at the top of the world, and they just piss it away. Yeah, yeah. And people, I don't understand how that could that could happen. And it's like, well, when you're into drugs and shit like that, none, yeah. nothing else is really important. Mm-hmm.
0: No, yeah. especially when you're in it. Um, removed from actual physical drugs and alcohol, you still have to deal with you. Mm-hmm. And a lot of those people suffer from a deep, dark sickness that it was there prior to the addiction and was there removed from the addiction that a lot of people don't understand. Alcoholism and addiction manifest its way in many different ways. It manifests its way in the, in the gambling, um, sex, you know what I mean? A lot of different ways. Mm-hmm. It also manifests itself now in uh, depression, anxiety, PTSD. That were and that that hasn't been studied long enough. That just came out years ago. That it's starting to be classified with all these other manifestations of sickness. And that A lot of people, we don't know what they were suffering from. We don't know why they took their lives. We don't know why they overdosed. But you don't know what they were dealing with. You don't know the demons that they had. You know what I mean? Um, the solution in this book has always been... To introduce you to a God of your own understanding, and that throws a lot of people off. But the way I help people, or try to put it to them, is it's the spirit of the universe. It's something outside of yourself. It could be the sum of more than one part that, that are in your lives that you could use as a focus, a group of people. You can use that as your higher power. It doesn't have to be this theoretical or esoteric God. It doesn't have to be theology. It could be just, a, a, you know, it's a way of looking. It's, it's 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 just a different way of looking at. I don't run the show and i need help and when you do that you go from isolating yourself from the human race to being a part of the human race and and that inclusion is some of what it's almost like the remedy that all of us need because we've been living isolated for so long thinking that we're the only ones going through this and i don't know if you told your story on this yet
1: not really because uh, <laughs> they're not yeah. like little bits and pieces yeah
0: them, you've yeah. had you've had uh, uh you had a hard life brother mm-hmm. and um your story is an asset to anyone that's been through nearly as much as you've been through mm-hmm. and you have so much to offer and uh, so much encouragement and um, uh, inspiration that you can give younger um, athletes and fighters that want to get in the game and because um, there's a lot of people going around walking around in life saying I've been given a bad a bad a bad hand and mm-hmm. not given a fair shake and I lived in that cognitive distortion all of my life right I lived in that fear of everything you know around me is out to get me i never get a fair shake you don't like me you're out to get me you're hating like that's that that isolation makes you further and further away from god's people further and further away from living in reality and in the moment when you're projecting that someone else is putting that much time in and baking your right. day
2: mm-hmm.
0: you're, you're now over consumed with yourself about things that you can't control and you've crippled yourself from being successful and moving forward and taking the next indicated step and just doing something and, and doing what you need to do to make yourself happy and doing what you need to do to be successful and mm-hmm. that that viewpoint that, that viewpoint of that cognitive distortion is a fucked up way to live life
2: mm-hmm.
0: that the shackles of the world is out to get me that's mm-hmm. crazy when i took respect for the things that, when i took responsibility for the things that i'd done i was granted the self dignity and self respect that was now converted into, oh, I've been forgiven. Who am I to play God? Let me man up, dust myself off, and handle my business. Like, I take responsibility. You get the sense of dignity that, okay, I can do this. Like, I know what I need to do now. Like, this is, I don't, I definitely know what, no longer, you know, play victim. That's mm-hmm. the worst thing we do is play yeah, victim, you know?
1: absolutely, mm-hmm. I think uh, that's that self obstruction is or self obs- self obsession is self destruction. Yeah. And that's like what I did my whole life too. I would always put a uh, you know oh this is hard and it's like yeah things are fucked up and fucked up things did happen but yeah you know you, you got to play with the cards you're dealt. Um, I think one thing too is uh, okay for, for for definitely for you I understand. You know you come from this hard ass background. You had all these life experiences happen to you. Uh, what do you say to someone if? they're kind of on the opposite end of things like if if they it seems like they yeah. weren't dealt really any bad yeah. cards but they think that their behavior or whatever what, what's the sign that's right. the
0: 80 percent of my clientele where of the clients that we have now mm-hmm. um at, at, at where i work is a private pay insurance company where you're going to get the gold mouth uh, the gold spoon the golden spoon fed child who had both parents um what i want people what society deems a success and what our what our culture deems as success is not really success because a lot of those people that have things you know what i mean like the job the money the homes and all that you can't judge you can't judge your insides by other people's outside so we don't know what they're going through inside of what their right. household right. is so it looks like you know what i mean the picket fence and going up with money and going to private schools or whatever like that 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 doesn't mean... I've met some miserable ass people in the last six months. Mm -hmm. I've met some people that have had some fucked up lives that come from money. Mm -hmm. And uh, money is not the end all be all. You know, people who say you don't need money to be happy, I'd say, nigga, get some money. You don't know. like (laughs) (laughs) Those people are happy. But there's a lot of people who do have money, I also believe, that are not happy and that do come from sickness. And like I said, the alcoholism and addiction manifests its way. It manifests itself and uh and uh you know anxiety and depression and
1: it's it's almost like the lack of a struggle becomes crippling in a way too oh hell yeah, yeah. no
0: sex no 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 skin and um no no yeah oh my god I, <laughs> the fucking <laughs> privilege bullshit that i hear from people like it kills me like but you also have to be uh you have to be uh, subjective and not judge them and listen to them and treat them like you would talk to anyone who like, I've also been in treatment centers as a client myself with people who just got out of doing time and they got the tattoos all over their face and you know what I mean? Been through a lot of hard shit and uh, come from projects and come from, uh, you know, lower means and, and some of this, the, it what, what relates all these people, no matter how prestigious their background or, or, uh, or how, uh, how, how much struggle they come from is the feelings and the emotions. Right. The feelings and the emotions this person felt are similar to the feelings and emotions that this person felt when they did what they did to hurt themselves. Mm-hmm. When they did what they did to hurt others. Mm-hmm. The low points in their lives are all the same. Mm-hmm. The high points may look different.
1: Right. Because I, I had friends, uh, my, my, one of my buddies recently has been talking to me about addiction. And he's like, well, I don't, didn't go through anything like you. And I used to kind of value that as sort of like a, a prize thing for me. Like I've been through this and did it. like, you don't feel shit. But then I've kind of learned like going through the program and doing my own therapy and stuff like that, that whatever they're feeling it's, is a just feeling, you know, and it's validated. It's just, it, they, yeah, they haven't gone through the same things. But if they feel depressed and they feel like shit, then it, it is what it is. It's valid. Yeah, it's valid. But
0: what you've been through is still valuable to you. Right. Because what you've been through is the only thing that could keep you in line with your truth. Mm-hmm. And what what helps every individual is their own truth. Mm-hmm. When you forget your truth and you try to say my story is not effective as this person's story is when you disvalue what you've been through. Mm-hmm. So in, in many ways, it is a badge of honor and it will help someone who's been through exactly what you've been right. through. And it, it will help someone that's come from the, something near to what you've been through and can... Then when that person opens their heart and stops listening with their mind, it allows them to accept, man, I can identify with the relatable feelings and emotions that this person is talking about, Mm -hmm. removed from the differences, and I'm starting to accept the similarities.
1: Right. Um, Yeah, so if, okay, so, okay, let's, what would you go through? What's step one of, if you're addressing someone and they think they might have a problem. Because, okay, again, we're talking to a certain percentage, right? 90% yeah. of people out there could drink and use drugs casually or whatever. And it's, yeah. it's not a fucking big deal. Me and you can care less, right? Yeah. Like more power to you. But someone that's questioning their ability to sort of hang or, or whatnot, what, what are some of the, the questions that you ask them to find out if they actually are an addict, if they have a problem, or they need to reevaluate something?
0: Yeah, the, that's the hardest, the hardest thing is no one can tell another person whether they are. They have to kind of answer that for themselves. And the hardest thing to do is you have to ask those questions for a person where they can think about it and honestly take a look at themselves and not make it seem like it's coming from a place of judgment onto them Mm -hmm. so that they don't become defensive and, and, you know, put up that wall. Mm -hmm. Um, There's uh, questions. They have 20 questions. They have 20 questions at every meeting. Different fellowships have in recovery, different fellowships, you know, NACA, a A H A, keep your mama away, keep the DEA away. <laughs> um, they all have twenty questions, and you, like you, you, it's like the DMV. You, you you answer two or three or four of those questions, yeah, then you probably got it. Mm-hmm. And it's like you know, do you find yourself having to do more than what you did last time to get the same effect? Mm-hmm. Are you finding yourself late at work for responsibilities? Do you find yourself not being able to complete tasks that you set out to do? Do you find yourself being unmotivated to do the most normal and simple things like hygiene do you find yourself isolating a lot do you find yourself you know what i mean in a dark place you know what i mean and a lot of these and a lot of these signs are uh are similar to what anxiety and depression looks like for for a lot of people and that's what classifies addiction and alcoholism up there with these you know neurological and psychological diseases it's so similar these symptoms what we're talking when we treat addiction we treat the symptoms at a treatment center the rest is up to the client once they leave the treatment center you know what i mean life skills and things like that you can't make someone do it right all you could do is help them in the early re- withdrawal stages with their acute withdrawal symptoms right which is anxiety and depression and the physical allergy that they've been suffering so we treat the body and we treat the um, the psychological neurological effects of what they've been doing for the last some odd days on that run right mm-hmm. and when they leave you'd hope that in, in 30 60 days that they had gotten a couple of tools that they could apply or they had been bought in or or they sell out into this program and they want to do it once they leave on their own accord if you can't and you, you, a lot of people find help through therapy and other solutions and become right. productive people and never have to go and don't have to do the 12-step route. Mm-hmm. There's so many people that are successful that just had that scare and eyes were awoken and had that experience. But to get that person to their to that point and have their open to this new life and this new process, it takes some time. A lot. That's yeah. why 30, 60 days is kind of crazy. It used to be 90 days to six months. and Now it's gotten down to 30, 60 days. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? With the... And, but private pay insurance, they could pay to be there. but There's a lot of billing issues and what happened, a lot of dirty treatment centers got shut down for double billing and all kind of crazy stuff. Mm-hmm. So it, from Florida to California, it's affected nationwide. Massachusetts and the tri-state area has been affected by the opiate crisis. is at an all-time high. Mm-hmm. And um, there's a lot more people on the streets, so that means homeless people. People get out of jail, they get kicked out of treatment, and they're on the street. So that's a new issue. You know, it's not a new issue, but it's a growing uh, pandemic. You know, I mean, you talk about the coronavirus, nigga. The virus is on the street. The right. virus is this fentanyl coming into America. You feel me? Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, it's killing a lot of people, man. And uh, I'm seeing uh, to talk to a friend or a coworker. The beautiful thing about anonymity, anonymity is a blessing to help someone when they. You don't have to go around. I used to do this when I got sober when I was younger, when I was 18, when I was 22. When I, all those times when I had those little stints, 18 months, one year, 11 months, and all those times I had that time sober, I would be at work and you know have jokes when coworkers want to ask me to go out. Like, oh, you don't want me to go out because you're going to have to pay for my hospital bill or break me out of jail. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'm an alcoholic. Or I used to always announce to people I was going to a meeting after right, work. Right. Mm-hmm. And, well, I'm, I'm sober now. I'm going to announce to the world that I'm sober. <laughs> but the beautiful part of being an the beautiful part of it, anonymity is when you don't tell, people going not see your behavior mm-hmm. and you can become the attraction to when someone needs help and they're that person that you're saying you don't know how to, how do you tell someone that they may have it without, you know, right. that person comes up to you and says, hey man, what have you been doing? Right. Because I noticed something has changed in you. 100%.
2: Right? I've
0: noticed that you're a lot happier, you're a lot more light and yep. the way you're handling yep. things lately. Yep. When they notice it, they come up to you and they ask you for help. And that's when you're like, well, I've been going. <laughs> you can, and you can take them to a meeting. I met this Ethiopian cat. <laughs> when you start doing that, bro, that's 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 the blessing. That's when you become the light, man. That's right. when you become a conduit and help people without advertising it.
1: Yeah, I think uh, for me, I kind of had to be a little bit more public because I think it was so obvious that something was off. You know, so people are like, what the fuck is going on with this guy?
0: There's a difference between... Announcing the people that didn't ask you what the fuck you've been doing (laughs) and using it to tell your story. Right. So, in an artistic format, on the artistic platform, stand-up comedy or whatever, Mm -hmm. it's your story. You have ownership over it. Mm -hmm. It's the medium where... are you going up to a motherfucker online at the grocery store, just like, "Hey, motherfucker, I'm sober." You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Like, Mm-mm, you shouldn't buy that liquor, like white lady. It's ten in the morning, like you know what I mean? Do you? Are you telling people? Are you giving people unsolicited advice? Are you right. being? Are you acting higher than thou? Mm-hmm. That's the shit I'm talking about. Right. Are, you, right. are you judging motherfuckers for the shit you were just doing? Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Like that's that's that arrogance. Right. And mm-hmm. so, the, all these things are vices. All these things humans do, but finding that balance, and what is my motives for doing this, what is my, where are my motives for telling this person that I'm sober, what are my motives for telling this person I have a solution I think that they're struggling, so when it, when is it an opportune time to say, hey man, I think you've been going through some stuff, I just want to be there to help you, if you want to know what I've been doing, there's a way to do it, you know what I mean, instead of saying, you fucked up, you need to go to meetings, or I think this will benefit you, because, you know what I mean, like, are you making it about you or are you making it about really helping that person? Right. And every time that your intention is pure and your motivation is pure, there's no right or wrong way to do it. Mm-hmm. There's no right or wrong time or no, you know what I mean? There's no words that have to, there's no script to helping someone. There's no script to just sharing with somebody, hey, this is what's been working for me
2: mm-hmm. or
0: this is what I think may help you. What are your motives for telling that person that? Is he someone that hasn't been paying rent, and he living in your house, and you just wanted to get the motherfucker out, or you think, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> right. is, what are your motives? Do mm-hmm. you think, oh man, it's been fucking this dude up; he's gonna lose his job. I don't want it to affect his kids. Like, this is my boy since little, you know I me mean? since we was in high school. Like, all kind of. What are your motives? If your motives are pure and your intention is pure, then there's a right or wrong way to tell somebody. Right. Anonymity is a beautiful gift.
1: Mm-hmm. And let's see. So I think one thing that. Uh, I also want to address as far as what if someone you know does have a problem and what's the proper steps because I know for me personally uh-huh. I had to cut out you know a lot of people because the way that things were going about was yeah. the exact opposite way of what they should have been doing so what was yeah. something you'd say to and you
0: know you right. you're like I know me I don't want to be around this shit because it's going to bring me down right, right? Mm-hmm. so at first is um, protect yourself always mm-hmm. they tell parents on an airplane um, when the plane is going down You have to put the mask on yourself before you put the mask on your child. Do you ever seen that shit? You ever been on an airplane? They say, first, Uh put the mask on your face before you put the the oxygen mask on. Because you are of no help to your child if you're you're knocked out. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, where are you at? What are your motives? And if you're standing on your truth and your square, you're not wrong for having people in your life removed from your life or avoiding certain people that have been vice vexes or, uh, some people just aren't going to change. We have to accept that. Right. But some people have a chance to change and everyone deserves a chance. Mm -hmm. And so, um, it, it, if you love that person, you tell that person, Hey, you're bringing me down, bro. And I don't want to see you continue to go down this route. I got nothing but love for you, but you need to get your shit together. I'm trying to get my shit together. And I'm not saying that I'm better than you. I'm not saying that I I I I'm holier than thou. And um I know we used to do lines off of strippers, but you know what I mean, growing up and all. That. <laughs> you know, I was there with you, you know right. what I mean? But I got you got to grow up sometimes. Mm-hmm. And like my uncle told me when I was little when I got caught doing something, um he always told me that this is okay, you're doing this now, but you're going to have to eventually grow out of this and change. Like, we grow out of different things. Like, you can't continue to do the same shit. And when I find myself at 33 doing the same shit I was doing when I was 12 mm-hmm. and thinking the same way that I was thinking, I have to ask myself, have I, what the fuck am I doing in my life, man? I got to grow up, man. Like, I got I to gotta stop thinking this way and doing the same shit to hurt people and hurt myself. Like,
1: And it's, it's when, you're, <coughs> when, you're, when you're in it, of course, you're not going to think that way. But no. That's, you know, because I, I remember when I was in the hospital... And the doctor told me he said, If you drink again, you're gonna yeah. die. Yeah. And I started crying and I wasn't crying because I was worried about dying or I was it's worried. Because you couldn't drink again. I couldn't drink because <laughs> you could not drink And I was drink, like I was, and I was like I was like, I'm gonna die because yeah. there's no way I'm not gonna I'm not gonna change my life. I'm not gonna not yeah. go out and get fucked up and fall asleep at Universal Studios or yeah. make an <laughs> <happen>. <laughs> There's no way it's gonna happen, you know? <laughs> and the last time I went, I wasn't even drinking crazy. I was having a couple of drinks and my, my side started hurting and I went yeah. to the doctor. I don't know if even know if it was related. Yeah. But he said, you know, they couldn't figure out what it was. And they're like, you know what, maybe you just. But you were
0: telling them also what the other doctor had told you prior.
1: No, I told them. Okay. I told them All because right. I wasn't like. i was. Wasn't talking like, about I wasn't, that part. Yeah. I'm going <laughs> to hope they find out
0: a different issue. Right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. So what I told them, uh, you know, I was, like, I was like, I did drink. I haven't drank in a long time. And it's been like eight months. I was like, I had like five beers. And they're like, yeah, maybe just uh, don't, don't drink anymore like because they really didn't know what it was and I was like I was like okay no problem like yeah. it was no big deal to me I was like I don't I haven't drank in a long time I mean, it's not shit to me anymore but again I'm not saying that to brag or anything cuz any time I fucking you know me having a couple beers cuz it easily led to me fucking overdosing and dying yeah. you know so but I'm just saying the the mindset I had was a fucking 100% different from 3 years ago when I first met met you and tried to get sober yeah
0: it's it's always it's not going to be that bad this time right that first lie mm-hmm. is maybe just one mm-hmm. or let me, I deserve this.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: The first lie is the one that we buy. And that first lie is what may get you to continue to lie to yourself. And the lies just become bigger. Mm-hmm. Like, you know how lies always get bigger? But the lie you tell yourself is are the, are the worst lies because it makes you forget the first couple of lies that got to that lie.
2: hmm
0: Because if you were able to track your lies, you could see how ridiculously they progress. hmm And lying to yourself is the worst lie. That I mean, it's the worst way to live, bro. Mm-hmm. Let, fuck lying and trying to get over someone that doesn't know you. When you're lying to yourself, it's so crazy. It, it, you lie to yourself for so long, you stop to no longer be able to identify yourself. Right. Or what am I even doing? Where am I at? Like Who what, are you? Who am I yeah, right now? Yeah,
1: like, exactly. Mm-hmm.
0: Who am I living with? Like, <laughs> who's <laughs> this chick? Who's this motherfucker? <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like, that's crazy, man. Yeah. It, you don't see it when you're in it. No, not, and not I, at all. I, It takes those little scary... And it takes what it takes. What I stopped using ultimately... Listen, people say but the word bottom, you have to hit rock bottom. I've hit rock bottom so many times in my life. Mm-hmm. Which bottom was the one that got me here? It's just the last bottom. Right. But it happened when it needed to happen. Mm-hmm. It wasn't even as drastic or as dire as the uh, bottoms that I had prior. You know, Right. Being shot at 21 the third time in five years should have been it. Me I mean... Uh, Uh, You know, hitting a palm tree going 90 at 24 should have been it. You know what I mean? Um, All kind of times it should have been, all right, I'm going to stop. You know, but the time that I stopped was over doing harder drugs, losing a job one more time, and then about to lose my son and my girl. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And um, that was just, you know, I'm about to be homeless. I need to go to a drug treatment center because I found out through going to be a counselor and going to, you know, to these meetings that a lot of people use these places as a hideout. And uh, I was going there for refuge until I could figure out a plan that I was going to get my family back. Right. Or pick up a, you know, a job that I thought it was about money, you know, ultimately it's going to make me happy again. When I found, I found my soul again going to treatment, though. Mm-hmm. I, I ran into me. Right. I ran into me 90 days sober. And I was like, oh, man, what the fuck has happened in the last 15 years? You know what I mean?
1: That's what's, yeah, that's what's really crazy. And when I got sober, too, um... Uh... Yeah, I didn't know who I was, which is is weird, because I've always been myself, obviously, but there was parts of me, I didn't know how to fucking be happy sober, and I was trying to figure it out, like, because all all my life would revolve around getting fucked up. If I was sober, you know, for a fight, I'm like, right after the fight, I can get fucked up, and that's what I was thinking about before I went in, you know what I mean? I'm not even thinking about, like, life or what I'm doing, I'm just focusing on this point that's to come or whatever, but trying to figure out, like what made me happy before I was getting fucked up, that's when I got into comedy, because I was like, okay, I like theater in eighth grade. That was like the last sober thing I could remember doing that I had fun in, you know? So I went back to it, and I was like, I don't really like theater, but I enjoyed being on stage, and I found the stand-up comedy from that shit, you know? But it's so weird. uh
0: When you told me I'm going to stop fighting, Uh I'm not going to go to the gym, I'm going to start going to this improv school, Uh I was like, Nigga, what are you doing? <laughs> but at the same time I was like, he he's happy. He wants to do something different and challenge himself. Right. There's so much things if there's so much to admire about someone saying, I wanna be happy and I wanna try something new and I'm gonna challenge myself to learn something new. Right. Mm-hmm. I have uncles that continue to go to school and get masters degrees and go like I'd be like, What the fuck are you doing? But the whole wall is like I like to challenge myself and go to school and it's just, you know, for me it's the I want to do it. I want to learn new things and it's like, alright, they're happy though. They yeah. have everything they need. They they're doctors or they're engineers. But they continue to take online classes and continue to challenge themselves and learn a new thing.
1: Yeah, people and, that people that do that, it's just like, I'm like, Fuck yeah, hell yeah man, like you know, but before my like, that's fucking when I'm drinking, I'm yeah. like, That's lame, just come party, bro. Like yeah. I was that guy. <laughs> Generally that guy. Yeah. Like, oh fuck it, man, come on, I'll buy you a beer. Like but because you, you want people to to see you, and I think a good sign of uh, other people's behavior, I, I think I would notice me is I I used to get bothered by people when they'd say, "What's wrong with you?" You know, because I wasn't drinking. Yeah, that happens to me every time I go out sober. You know what's going on? everybody's sad yeah, yeah. because I'm not all over the place. I'm not making a oh, big the worst scene.
0: drunk is a so is a fucking miserable drunk. Yeah, that's removed from his shit. Mm-hmm. That's on the face of on the face of I want to be sober, but I'm just not going to be happy. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like right. I don't know how to be out this thing that i use as a crutch for so long Mm -hmm. so i'm gonna be a drag on everyone around me and myself and i'm not even gonna allow myself to have fun right but it's all it comes you don't see it but you're choosing to be that at the time yeah you were choosing to be miserable at the time yeah
2: Mm
1: -hmm. and then what did you do Got sober.
0: no 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 no. what did you do to feel happy sober
1: oh we got into stand-up
0: See yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. You, you you took on a different challenge. Right. That took interest and took time took and took time. Yeah, exactly. energy yeah. and made You know
1: what I mean? And like you can't you can't be fucked up and write good material. I mean you could probably think you can't. You got to <laughs> go to open. Look at you got to go to
0: open mics. Yeah. You got to be sober before you go up on stage. Mm-hmm. All this shit like people don't understand like uh, going to open mics nothing makes you a better comic like getting up. You have mm-hmm. to go up. You have to go up. You have to continue to go up. Mm-hmm. I hear, you know, all these great comics that I, I I I admire and look up to, they always say there's no other route but to continue to go up and continue to go up. Some people just go up and go up. And some people go up on their second and first try and, and someone was out there and gave them a chance. You know what I mean? Right. It's just, it's called, you know, it's, you don't know, but you never know till you go up. Right. So you got to keep going up. Yeah, if but, you're
1: not there to, if you're not fucking, you're not going to win the game if you're not there to play. And know what know it what I mean? takes
0: to go up is to continue to write. Right. And to continue to try and to continue to, open your eye and get up and do something and you still work out you still go to the gym right yeah, still, well
1: now now i'm sober i realize i still do that fight in me you know it's yeah. not it's not just but before like i fight because the, the after with the fight i can get fucked up for months and no one's gonna say shit to me because i just fought like that was literally it was
0: your excuse to take a break
1: yeah it really was <laughs> you know so i'm already looking past the fight i'm not even thinking about the fight like when i first started i wasn't like that but towards but the end that I'll, that's designed
0: the post-fight break is designed to re- your body to recover. Right. But what you're doing to your body and during recovery it's time, it's fucking, fucking yeah. up your body. And
1: two steps forward, you know, three steps back. Yeah. And then by other camps, I'm my body's brittle, my back's giving out, my fucking liver's not working. <laughs> like you're not doing anything. I'm like, yeah, it's because I six months ago I was fucking yeah. blowing, drinking bottles of whiskey. So yeah. obviously my body's not <laughs> like recovered. You know. Yeah. But it's poison, man. It's poison. It really is. Ain't throwing
0: some blow. Uh-huh. Throwing some pain pills. Yeah. Throwing all the other stuff that we do to ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It breaks our. It broke my body down for years. Mm-hmm. 27 surgeries in 12 years.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I never recovered right. I got sober the day or two before surgery, right? I got sober, you know what I mean, for a couple months after maybe. But when it's time to heal and work out and do the therapy and build muscle mass back and all that, my bones are brittle. My blood's thin. I'm not recovering back. All the stuff that I'm putting in my body, you know what I mean?
1: Right, and it's... It's, it's like
0: you're walking on an, uh, the the air, the airport, the walking escalators. What right. are those called? The I, I the, the you know. electronic walkways?
1: Uh-huh.
0: It's like walking backwards on those. Right. You're going against the... Right. You're going against the current, but you're not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. And then, say I stopped doing the actual therapy, but I'm, I'm still doing the drugs. Then you're just moonwalking backwards.
1: Yeah, and I think, I mean... A lot of people, the people that can navigate this stuff without any kind of help, more power to you. You know, for me, even if I wasn't a drunk, I think with going to AA and stuff like that, hanging out with people like you, they helped me to understand that there's problems underneath. You know, there's issues that I have to take care of. So initially, I mean, AA is so good for just getting on that track and understanding that there's people here to help support you, to get you through that first little push. Yeah, and then after that, you got to get to the root of the problem. And for me, that was like therapy. Yeah, and going to therapy, I learned a lot about myself and my patterns, which I'm still learning about. You know, because I have a self-destructive pattern. It's usually like after three months, I start to fucking pick myself up, and then I'm like, oh, I got this shit, and yeah. then I just I slip off, and that's how I go. You know, so we have an
0: inventory in recovery. We use the inventory, mm-hmm. and the inventory helps you look at your past and the pat. Hopefully, what you can see through the inventory is the patterns, mm-hmm. what you do in certain situations. And ultimately it's designed for you to take responsibility at the end of it Mm -hmm. and see what your part was in, you know, and all these um, grievances and experiences that had happened in your life. And it allows you to not play the victim, like I said again, take responsibility and kind of gives you encouragement by seeing other people around you do the same thing. Mm -hmm. But just that introduction can be life-changing like it was for you, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? And it motivates you to seek outside help, like go to a therapist and do it the other way a lot of people you have mental health a lot of people have other issues that uh, this program is not designed solely to help that it's, it's designed to make you maybe just open your eyes maybe it's designed to introduce you to a new way of thinking
1: because cause just to <coughs> for most people they don't, they're don't they not sitting there analyzing themselves and going over things the proper way Mm-mm. You know? so I think in a lot of ways people that or people that do the recovery right and they focus on themselves and they catch their flaws and they kind of they're actually really good people
0: yeah um there's a lot of self-absorbed people in yeah, every has, but... everywhere. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh my yeah. God. Today, my cat, <laughs> um, took a shit of my fucking we were, shoe. We were like, just
1: talking about that, and then they they then when it's everyone else's time to share, they get up and go smoke a cigarette. And like, oh, fuck. right after <laughs> they share,
0: and they don't listen for the other person to share, yeah. and they just get up and go do their thing. It's like I'm here now. I did my.
1: They did their little open
0: mic and they bounced. Like, bitch, this ain't this ain't time for you to do your open mic. If you just wanted to talk to someone about your day, right. call somebody. Like, you know what I mean, but. Some people don't have that person to call, and they use. It. And why I, I under I've been more, I've been more and more tolerant of it. The older I've gotten, mm-hmm. is because, uh, they, some of those people don't have that person to call yeah, to just you, shoot yeah, the yeah, shit you, with. You
1: calm me down a lot on that shit. Uh huh.
0: <laughs> yes, yeah, so I think some of those people just don't have that person to call. Right. They don't have that person to talk to, and now it's made me more tolerant. And because uh, I've been hearing it since I was eighteen, dog. My first meeting outside when I was. A, the first couple of meetings were in camp and in juvenile hall. Mm-hmm. The, when I was 18, I had to go to meetings on my own. And um, um, that's when I, I, from there to now, at 36, I've been, I, I've heard a lot and yeah. not at all. And I, I've been able to be more tolerant of what that person may be going through, what their mental, hates, what their mental health state may be in, and what they may not have the access to. For them to think this is the medium or the platform to, yeah, to
1: you, you you told me to, you told me that yeah. too. Like uh, you're like a lot of these cause I was, I remember one time I was getting fucking mad at everybody. I was like, What's this bitch talking about? I was like, fuck this guy. I just going to beat this little man you're, and you're like, dude, you gotta understand a lot of these people are dual diagnosed and yeah. they're figuring it out. Yeah. And I've learned that. I was like, Oh shit. Like, you yeah. know, it's not just them being self absorbed, like some of them just aren't all but now they're get that's why they would use alcohol because they don't figure they can't figure out why they're this way. Yeah. So oh.
0: And those are the people that have been diagnosed. Right. Imagine the motherfucker that's never that's always said I'm fine and then wrong with me and I'm not gonna ask a doctor or someone to say hey you know tell me what what you think's wrong with me. So there's a lot of people walking around undiagnosed. Right. There's people in the audiences at a comedy show undiagnosed. So are you gonna be on stage like why is that motherfucker not laughing? Right. I just told a good joke that that eighty percent of the room is laughing at, but I'm focused on this one motherfucker that's not laughing right now. Right. Am I gonna allow that to ruin the next? minute and a half of my set Mm -hmm. or am I going to look at someone else that's enjoying my shit and run off of that person's energy Mm -hmm. and that's what I have to do in a meeting I have to look at the person that's looking at my eyes when I'm speaking I have to look at the person that spoke to my heart when they were speaking and focus on them when it's my turn or or go up to them and I don't even speak at that meeting and just go up to them at the end of the meeting and say hey thank you for what you said Red. 'Cause it spoke to me. And I I, I, I use that in a room when I'm speaking at a school with kids. Imagine I gotta speak to high school kids. They have cell phones, nigga. This is everybody's <laughs> popping Xanny bars and all kinds of shit, you know what I mean? Yeah. These motherfuckers is drooling, sleep and I gotta catch these new teens' attention. These new motherfuckers is some different a different bread, dog. Like and I gotta make it interesting for them for forty five minutes to an hour. Right. When I'm talking to them. And I focus on the ones that are looking at me like like he reminds me of my brother, or he reminds me of my dad, or he reminds me of someone that I met in my life, and I focus on that kid, and it it doesn't change my message. It gives me more energy. I feed off of that person's energy, and that kid who had his head down pops his head up and he starts listening without mm-hmm. me having to take time to call them out or make fun of them or you know what I mean, mm-hmm. or focus on it to where it throws me off of the my my real uh, actual agenda. The the main point, the main reason that I'm there is to give give these kids hope, right? So. Mm-hmm.
1: So if there's a white kid, you're like, fuck that guy. He don't remind me of anybody. <laughs> <laughs> no, <but laughs>
0: those motherfuckers be listening. Um, yeah, it's it's a lot. It's, yeah, it's, it varies. You know what I mean? It's a continuation high school.
1: Well, I think, too, uh, I mean, I don't know anything about the high school, but yeah. I know for a normal meeting, yeah. uh, you know, and one thing, again, this is stuff you helped me understand is there's so many people there that are court ordered and yeah. you can't focus on those people because a lot of them are just like, this is fucking stupid. These people are, yeah. you know, drunks. So I don't have a problem. Yeah but then and,
0: some of them have the courage to raise their hand mm-hmm. and say shit like they know shit right? and then there's some that really just want help they're interested like they on the map I've never seen something like this before in my life right Go, but what were you saying?
1: oh no I was just I was just thinking about like when like uh, going to meetings and not having expectations yeah yeah. That's oh, so yeah. that's something you taught me and it's it's so fucking important and I you, now I enjoy meetings because of that because you, you can always that, pull something out of it
0: use that in your shows dog Mm-hmm. Use that. What I'm saying is, use that with any audience. Use right. that with any gathering of a group of people. Use that with family members. Use that with a dinner with, with the in laws. Use, <laughs> like, you know <laughs> use that shit. if you use that shit with any group of people. It helps you, not be into some shit that you can't control and not. You know what I mean? Like it, right. it helps you continue to be your best self. Like
1: yeah, because I, I think in, even too. I remember when you told me that it, my first NA meeting. Was when I was fifteen years old. Yeah, I was uh, court ordered to go. I came home and I was telling my pops like I had to go to this fucking meeting. I couldn't even understand the teacher. He said he was a hair act. He was just yammering on. And my pops was like, exactly. Like look at that. Like you want to end up talking like that? And fucking. Get... <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, you're stupid. You know, you want to be able
0: to not string along sentences. Yeah,
1: it? <laughs> yeah keep it up. You want to be up.
0: able to not punctuate. You know, what use I mean? commas and periods. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: that's exactly. That's exactly what he was telling But he was basically telling me the same thing, like, figure out something that you can get out of it, because there's no re- reason you should be there just fucking farting around, you know? And when he told me that, I kind of connected the two, and I was like, oh, so now when I go to meetings, you know, people that piss me off, I'm just like, I don't want to ever end up like that. Like, I don't want to, yeah. like, and now, people that walk away are not paying attention to other people, I look at them and go, okay, keep your focus on whoever's speaking. Like, don't be that yeah, asshole yeah, yeah. that's just kind of there, like, oh, it's, it's my turn yet? It's my <laughs> turn? You know? Yeah, yeah. You're like, you're doing what she did,
0: but not taking the cigarette break. Exactly. You're taking the mental break from the meeting. Right. She got up and walked away. Mm-hmm. You're in the meeting miserable, Fucking but still. Not, and now you're not listening <laughs> to you're not listening to the guy that had the golden coin the whole time. You know right. what I mean? Like so. I, it's crazy.
1: One thing I wrote a note about. I wanted to go back to. Yeah, second, man. Uh, was I'm sorry. I'm rambling. Nigga. I don't know. Not at all. This is. I our, just took my
0: meds. I got energy, like motherfuckers. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I ate some sausages and a
1: biscuit. <laughs> Daddy took his medicine. I, t- <laughs> I, I took good. some
0: prednisone. I think it's the prednisone. I got ah. steroids for my kidney. The
1: anti-inflammatory, right? Prednisone?
0: I don't know what it does. I've been on it for seven months. I have big ass. What does it do? It's a steroid that's supposed to make this. Uh, scarring tissue mass smaller in my so it's like in internal
1: um ibuprofen kind of shit right for your organs prednisone is a
0: steroid right that uh does the reverse of what steroids do i guess um, you know other steroids make masses or muscle larger i think prednisone makes it smaller
1: right because I, I know my uncle was on it but i also think it magnifies other things that you're taking too right like if you take a painkiller with prednisone doesn't it make the painkiller way stronger I didn't know. Yes, Nigga, what, now I'm going to try when I go home. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. What's it called? I'm uh, not like Shit. No, it doesn't at all. Uh, we were talking about, uh, cor- I wrote, just wrote this down from earlier. We were talking about uh, sort of corrupt or disbarred treatment facilities. Yeah. And I had a story about it. Uh, You'd you, Yeah, I did. So. And uh, what I didn't understand, I didn't understand this is there was kids in my rehab, my roommate specifically. And he was just there didn't give a fuck about anything during detox and we're hanging out and he was pissing me the fuck off because he was just like, where's my fucking Gatorade? And just like yelling at the staff yeah. and yelling at the nurses and these people are there keep making sure we're fucking alive. So I'm getting yeah. pissed off. You know, the yeah. ladies in there are sitting there like, I'm throwing up blood. They're they're like in there in the yeah. bathroom taking my temperature, stuff like that. Like, And <laughs> I'm just like, I'm so sorry you have to see me like this. You know, I'm fucking try not to fall over. And this fucking kid is pissing me the fuck off. And then I come to find out that there's a middle guy. Basically, what these, these guys do is they have in cahoots with the insurance. Body brokers. Body brokers. You want to explain they bring, that? Body
0: brokers, dog. Mm-hmm. They're bringing motherfuckers to treatment, and these clients are getting paid to mm-hmm. be in treatment.
1: And So they go through the insurance. Basically, yeah. the, the, the middle guy makes 10 grand. He cuts you off with five. And then you go to treatment for two weeks, you get out, and then yeah. you go get high again. He'll buy you a hotel room, he'll buy you the drugs, he gets yep. you all fucking high again, then you go into another treatment facility yes. that your insurance pays for, pays yep. out 10 grand, he keeps another five, you get another five, yep. and it's just a fucking... I mean, so that because
0: some of these treatment centers have either they, either they, they don't want to do it, mm-hmm. they don't want to deal with those type of clients, and they, they have a higher morale or integrity, and what they're doing is they're closing down. Right. So a lot of treatment centers are closing down because of this morality mm-hmm. of body brokerage, and it's affecting private pay insurance on a mass scale.
1: And not to mention fucking with people's actual. Rec- I mean, there's a special place where in I worked.
0: Hell. Where I worked while I was out on treatment, the only reason I felt comfortable taking a month and a half off, we had one client the whole time because they refused to take people like that. Mm. They we it, it you can you're gonna get put under investigation or the feds will come get you. That's why a lot of other pieces have gotten closed down too, because the feds came and got them.
2: Right. And
0: what you saw was entitlement, arrogance, uh, and the person knew he was getting paid, and he knew that the director knew he was getting paid. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, and that's the thing is I didn't understand because I'm just roommates for this guy and he's fucking pissing yeah. me off. He's sleeping in past his bedtime. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> Get up, make your fucking bed. You know, yeah. like, why do I have to clean the room? And this, so- they
0: were doing this since when I was working at that place where you were at in 2015. Mm-hmm. You know, probably way before that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's a big game in Florida. They pick up motherfuckers in minivans and have them put up in hotels and, and, and take them to shop them around. The insurance companies are catching on though.
1: Yeah, because that, w- that was the thing. I know there was a girl in there that uh, she was just like seemed normal, like super happy or whatever. But what she was doing, is she just went in there to detox. Uh, their insurance was doing a big payout. She was talking about going out and getting fucked up that this guy, the body broker, had already had her hotel room. She set up down here and mm-hmm. she's going to meet up with this guy and do all that. Like she had fucking plans. And I was so fucking out of it during detox because you're fucking miserable when yeah. you're detoxing. Yeah. Uh, I didn't really... Drugs
0: have you, like, zombie state.
1: Yeah. And I I just couldn't really put together what she was saying. And as, like, the weeks went on, I kind of started to figure out what was going on with these people. I was like, oh, shit. Like, there's got to be a special place in hell for those fucking people. Yeah. For reals.
0: It's crazy. And the flip side to that is, because the insurances are becoming more aware of it, it's going to affect someone who ultimately does need the help.
1: That's what I'm saying, yeah. So
0: now it's going to affect someone who ultimately needs the help. Right. There's going to be someone who can't get in on a technicality or because... They, I, there was a person who ingested cocaine, ate cocaine instead of snorting it. Mm-hmm. And the insurance company refused to pay for his stay because they said that it wasn't as dire as him snorting it.
2: He's eating
0: it, had gotten to, it had gotten to the point where he couldn't snort it anymore because he had so many deviated septums. Yeah. He couldn't get the same high, so he had to eat more amounts mm. to get high, mm-hmm. And the insurance company deemed that it wasn't as dire as someone who had an addiction of snorting it right and how they came up with that technicality how they came up with that refusal the insurance job the insurance company's job is to save the insurance company money
2: mm-hmm.
0: you know what i mean you have a policy there's a maximum there's you know what i mean there's a, there's there's a there's a limit on your and their job is to ensure you don't go over the limit mm-hmm. that your policy pays into and if they could if they can it's to not even pay is nowhere you know what i mean to not pay to where you even you know what i mean right. their their job is to carry that money they had allocated for you annually over to the next year and it still has that limit how they make that money is that every time it doesn't exceed the limit that they have put aside for that individual they carry that money over into your next year's premium Mm -hmm. and so when i had aetna and blue cross and all these other insurance companies going through this car accident and all the injuries i got denied for no surgeries a lot of things that they deemed cosmetic when my face was rearranged from hitting the steering wheel in a tree going 90 miles per hour i had now that I have drug medical and Medicare as I've been on disability, you know what I mean, this whole time and I they don't refuse for certain things like they don't go through this whole process where you have to do um, you have to fight things and you have to have a review and you have to you know what I mean I, so the 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 treatment centers that I see that are private insurance company um ran uh, um, um private pay insurance companies that that are um, private pay treatment centers, the ones that are full all the time, you'd have to be like, man, what the fuck are they doing? Who are they accepting into their facility? And what's the integrity and the morale, the help that you'll get there? And what type of people work there? You know what I mean? The places that I've seen getting shut down are people that uh, uh, I've known since I was 18 and like that have been in this business to help people for so long, mm-hmm. but they have to close down.
1: Right, because there's, there's there's a lot of good places out there that with full of good people and good staff but because of insurance or whatever the fucking yeah. situation is. And there's is some though.
0: good places that have good people working in them because the people that work in them don't make those decisions. It's right. the people that own it, you know?
1: That's the place, yeah, I was at. Yeah. The, the yeah. counselors in there were like, this is how it is. Yeah. You have to understand this is what goes down. Yeah. And I was just like, it baffled me because, you know, we're in a group meeting. There's six of us there and uh, some of us are detoxing. Some of us are fucking been there for a month, whatever the case is. And one of these one of these guys is in there making fucking jokes and not taking shit seriously, and people are sharing about you know, uh, you know I fucking got stabbed, right? Mm-hmm. You know I did this and I did that, and this person got fucked over like serious shit. And someone in there is making jokes and stuff. I was like, this motherfucker's in. It. <laughs> so yeah. I went off on this guy trying yeah. to fight him in the middle of a meeting, and yeah, they ended up. Uh, he ended up because getting-
0: you're paying cash. Yeah. You're using you. Were
1: using, yeah. <laughs> you're
0: paying. You're paying cash out of your pocket because you. Yeah. You. You. Imagine where you were at in your life mm-hmm. and what you had to sacrifice to say, "I need help." Yeah. So you know, what I mean, you had a, you were invested in this. I need to get what I need to get out of this place.
1: That was my Thailand trip. I was like, I just spending it on fucking rehab. And this motherfucker wants to play games? Like, hell. Yeah. And he's getting paid to be here. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's crazy. Like, that,
0: yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, I know so, that shit was fucking frustrating, man. Yeah, so I,
1: I, I was losing my shit. And he ended up getting kicked out. Like uh, After I got into it with him, like two days later, he got kicked out.
0: How and, long had he been there prior to you being there?
1: Uh, I think we got there the same day. Okay. And I was there for... Some of them have to make
0: it past detox. Some of them have to be there a minimum of 30 days. Some of them have... Yeah. Like, there's different like levels and tiers of how much money they get. For the longer they stay.
1: Yeah, I mean, I felt bad for the kid because he was a he was a young man. He was 18, 19.
0: But that was like his fifth one that year. Yeah. Oh yeah, easily. He was, that was he the fifth treatment center. Like, an <laughs>
1: yeah. And then uh, he he told me to uh, what's it called? Uh, he was like after he got kicked out. He he's like I'm so sorry, man. Uh, I I didn't mean to disrespect you. This and that. And I was like, dude, honestly, I was like, it's all good. You know, I was like, don't let these motherfuckers use you, bro. Like you know, take care of yourself. Like I, obviously, he wasn't gonna listen to me, but I just like I wasn't being a dick, dude, or I was being a dick. I was like, my bad, dude. But you gotta understand, I, I'm fucking paid out of my own pocket for this shit, dude. Yeah. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. I'll fuck you up in your sleep. I would have to kill you. Yeah, I was gonna <laughs> get a fucking full metal jacket the bar and so <laughs>
1: fucking whip <up> his ass. <laughs> so, uh, what, what would say uh, for people that are kind of against the program or they don't know if they want to be the program? Uh. And everybody is so different in a lot of ways. Yeah. What's something you would tell someone if they think that, you know, it's really not for them, or they're kind of standoffish about it? You know, what what advice would you give to someone?
0: Um, I I don't, I always tell people just try, man. Just 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 experience it. Give yourself that experience and that exposure. Because for a lot of people, what it does is plant a seed. Right. And like it planted a seed for you. and yep, Absolutely. Um. You never know till you try. And most people that say it doesn't work didn't do what was suggested. I always, I've never heard anyone say, I've never heard anyone say, I did all the steps. I have a sponsor. I went to meetings and I got a commitment. Right. Like, I've never heard anyone say I've done all 12 steps. I had a sponsor. I got, a, I got a commitment and I went to meetings and I sponsored people.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: What was that five things? Meetings. 12 steps, sponsor, sponsor people, and a commitment. Five things. Mm -hmm. Once you start sponsoring other people, because you've done it, and once you start having a commitment, like a coffee commitment, uh, uh, you know what I mean? Uh, set up commitment. You know, uh, what the, what book, he means
1: by that, guys, is just, uh, you know, before a meeting, you come, you're come, you the guy that every Monday is going to bring the coffee or you're yeah. going to bring the literature. You yeah. just have a responsibility to keep the meeting flowing so you're part of it. You know, yeah. you're, you're taking action. active A chip
0: person is a greeter. You could be a greeter at the door and just shake someone's hand and let them know, like, hey, welcome. Someone's first meeting there, you were that first person to shake their hand. Mm-hmm. There's so many commitments at meetings, right? Right. And uh, when you start, you know what I mean? Immersing yourself into it like that, where it's something you went from dreading, d- dreading going to something you want to do, and it's a part of your routine, like going to the gym. People go to the meetings like they go to, like people that I know go to the gym, right. and it's just a part of their routine. And it's how they function throughout the week. Mm-hmm. And I asked that person who said they tried meetings and it didn't work for them. I, I asked them first, had they done all five of those things, mm-hmm. and and I asked them, um, did you really give it an honest try? That's the main Cause, thing. Because right they don't ask for you to believe in God. They don't ask for you to do... I know atheist groups. They have groups in Santa Monica on the west side that pray to the power of the group. Um, there's there's so many different uh, versions now. They have all recovery. They, they have all kind of different 12-step modeled. Uh, they have smart recovery. There's so many different... Well, what you're doing is you're still getting around a group of people with a common problem, with a common solution. And you're no longer isolated. And I'm going to ask that person... What is what you've been doing? How's that been working? Right. What, like, how long are you going to continue doing what's not been working for you? Mm-hmm. And do you want to continue to do this on your own? And, and, and uh, it, it, when you're ready, I'll be there for you. And um, it's hard. I, uh, I, I, I ask them to also not let the last experience deter them from having a new experience. Right. Meaning whatever happened the last time, don't bring it into this one and just go with a new open mind. And give it a, a fresh try and a fresh slate, and 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 look for a different experience, because
2: uh-huh.
0: you deserve a different experience. It, it's designed to be that way. It, it's a room full of human beings. It's gonna be always different every time you walk right. in. You're gonna find some things that are, that look the same, and that you can spot that are the same at every meeting. But there's also a lot of differences, and it's a spiritual thing when you put a room full of people together. It's a spiritual thing, and um, it's ever flowing. It's like water. It's a fluid, and um. It's also, it's not like a circle. It's it's like a spiral. I think, and it uh, it uh, it's infinite, and mm-hmm. uh, it's beautiful because it's something you you can't you can't sometimes touch, you can't sometimes feel, you can't t- sometimes smell. But it's something you feel, and um, it that, that you know it when you see it. You Like you'll,
1: walking into like a temple or something like that, you can you'll feel you'll know it when that.
0: you see it. Yeah, like no one else can tell you when you're gonna have that mm-hmm. aha moment. Mm-hmm. Who's gonna tell you when you have that spiritual experience? It's something you feel, and it's not supposed to happen after a certain, uh, after a certain stage. It's not supposed to happen after a certain step. It's gonna happen when it's time to happen for you because of your rhythm with your universe, with how you are supposed to progress.
1: Right, and uh, yeah. One thing my brother told me that uh made a lot of sense to me when I first started getting sober. He's like, you know what? He's like, if you think you have a problem, he's like, be sober for a year. He's like. You know, see how it goes. What's the worst that could happen? What's the worst for trying that to?
0: Because it's a thought that something told you that I think I may have a problem.
1: Yeah. hmm And mm-hmm. it's it's yeah. it, it, okay. Worst case scenario, you're sober free. You're not gonna. The parties are gonna be there. The fucking people are gonna be there. And if you go back to just drinking all the time, then you make a conscious decision to go back to it. Yeah. But if in a year, and he told me this too, is in a year if your life isn't better. And you're not doing, you know, doing what you want to do And your goals aren't different He's like, well then fucking go back At least you're making an educated choice to go back But if you, and it's like anything else in the world, right? If you don't try it, you never fucking know
0: Yeah, and I love the way he put it It's, you, it's all about a choice And what comes before the, the thought you know, To do anything Is going to be the thought right. And um, you can take responsibility for that conscious decision To say, well, if this didn't work I'm going to do this but if that person is telling me he's at the stage where they're telling me I've been to those things before and it didn't quite work out for me or it felt like it was a cult or all these things that I've heard before, right. I asked them to have you done those five things, right? Mm-hmm. Sponsor, been sponsored, have a commitment, go to meetings, and you know what I mean?
1: Okay, right. So, okay, so of those we talked about commitments, going to meetings, sponsors, Let's get into yeah, that a little you bit. you
0: sponsor or and have been sponsored. <laughs> that's what the, the it doesn't. You can't keep what you have unless you give it away. Is what the cliche is. Mm-hmm. It's uh one of the things that's been given to me so freely. I have to now give it away because it's changed my life, and I'm so happy. And I believe that it what it's done for me could do it could do for other people. What what it what's gonna be indicative of me keeping what I have is giving it away freely, and whenever someone has their hand out to be there for that new person and. Um, when they call me, my sponsees call me to do step work, when they call me to talk about a bad day, when they talk to me about, this guy has a fear right now about court, you know what I mean? That he's talking to me about. And I I talk about, all I do is talk to him about some of the things that he's accomplished in his life and the things that he's been through before. But he did that for me in the day where I was laying in bed and depressed and not wanting to get up to go do anything. And he got me out of the bed. So by sponsoring, at the same time, he's helping me because I have to be accountable to him. Mm-hmm. And he's asking me for help. But how could I help him With if I don't help, help myself? Mm-hmm. So what they, my sponsors end up doing is they end up helping me more than I help them.
1: Right. And sometimes I become could be... more
0: present for myself and my, my family, right. my son, and because I have to be present for them. Because I agree to help them and take them through these steps. Mm-hmm. And I'm not the one giving them anything. All I'm doing is experience, strength, and hope. Sharing for wh- how I did it and giving suggestions to what you know what what they should try, but or what they may want to look at mm-hmm. because there's no wrong or right way to sponsor. There's no wrong or right way to. Uh, well, there is a wrong way, but I, there's no there's no right there's no one way to do anything when it's if you're helping someone, your motives are right. Mm-hmm. You know, there's people that do it fucking way foul you know make I my had that, yeah. motherfuckers <laughs> wash hey i need you to come over here sunday and wash my car then we'll go do like motherfucker i'm not sure this ain't a, yeah i'm right. not i'm not you know i mean i'm not in a fraternity i'm not trying to you <laughs> feel me
2: like what the fuck yeah, yeah.
0: it's some crazy shit that i've i've heard you know what i mean i i'm i thank god i didn't experience that and i have a, a a sponsor family and a long lineage that i come from that um have all done it the way the book says to do it and um they all do workshops and I get to have been through the book so many times where it's second nature to always keep the experience to the, the client's experience or my friend's experience. Or I call these sponsees my friends because they do for me more than I'm not a sponsor to them. I don't feel like I'm higher than them or anything. Like Some of them had more time than me before. Some of, some of these guys have 10 years at what time in relapse.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: It's just right now they're like, hey, I remember you. I'm asking you to sponsor me because I'm in this place in my life. In recovery, they say, be careful how you talk to the newcomer, because that motherfucker might be your sponsor one day. Right. Be careful how you talk to that new person that's walking through the door, because he may be somebody you reach out to and ask for help one day.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: That's the revolving door of recovery. And um, my sponsees do so much uh, for me, spiritually, and um, just uh, a sense of you know pride and um, joy I get from them when I see them succeed. and. Doing um, and helping other people. Now they're they're sponsoring people. You right. You know, that's that's the cycle. Right. Each one teach one. Each one reach one. It's it's what service is about. Unity, recovery, and service. It's the three aspects of the triangle, and that's what keeps it going. Is if there wasn't sponsorship, the legacy of recovery cannot continue.
1: And I think that's that's something you kind of uh, taught me about too. And it made me sort of a uh, because I had a bad experience with the sponsor. My first sponsor. He shouldn't have been sponsoring people. Um, again, Daniel has been one of those guys that has given me plenty of advice, and I have turned down a lot of it. <laughs> 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 because, you know, when I'm using I just yeah. want to keep kind of finding my own way. And, yeah. you know, hey, don't don't work with that guy. Trust yeah. me. And I'm like, well, he seems cool. And, you know, it ends up this guy's a fucking, you know, he's not he doesn't have his shit together. He's, he's going to meetings fucked up and stuff like that. And he's supposed to be the one teaching me about the book. I can't get a oh, hold of Oh, the dude it? that was
0: sponsoring you? Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, and you know, it is it is what it is. Like, yeah. I, was, I was pissed off. And I just yeah. got an asshole meter.
0: You know what I mean? I have a low tolerance for assholes. Right. And you can tell when someone's a tyrant or, mm-hmm. or and like I said, other people are dual diagnosed. They got some things that are um, put together in their life and it looks good on the outside and they have this facade that they put out for the community and the world and they portray a character mm-hmm. and they want to be this character and, um, and they have shit. They're shit people inside, and they don't want to deal with that shit person. When well, this whole design is to this whole program is designed to sift out the bullshit, right? And to get you to look at you and correct yourself mm-hmm. through daily inventory in the tenth step, and and um, you know this uh, this inventory and and and, and um, being able to uh, correct yourself and improve and want to be better every day a little at a time, just just trying to be better than I was yesterday, right? And no longer do the shit shit I used to do when I was getting high, right? Because what you're doing is. You 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 you're the sober horse thief in that situation. You say you're a horse thief, and you you sober him up. What do you have? You have a, a sober horse thief. And if if uh, no change, no chance. They say you don't change the shit that you used to do, the behaviors, mm-hmm. the feelings, the emotions. If you don't change that, you're just removed from alcohol and drugs. You're in that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's about changing who you are, not just being removed from the bottle and or the pipe. You know what I mean? So. Right. A lot of these people, uh, or peop or persons have uh, chose to hold on to these things that have crippled them and and had them in these crutches for so long. And um, uh, I didn't like who I was, sober. I didn't like who I was. You know what I mean? High. Right. So I want to change everything. I I want to be happy, and what was making me unhappy was me, the way I used to think, to the things I used to do to people,
2: mm-hmm.
0: what I used to do to myself. The opportunities I robbed from myself, the physical and financial uh, pain that I've caused myself and my family, um, the lying, the cheating, and um, that, those things are deep rooted in people's innate, um, in, in their inability to just be honest, and I was, I was not honest with myself, so I had to be this fraud, and I hurt a lot of people that way, you know what I mean, and I didn't like that feeling, man. right. I didn't yep. like that people. And there's some people that are just shitty people and like and don't give a fuck about hurting people and it's hard for... How can you... If you don't give a fuck about hurting people, how are you ever going to change for yourself? Right. When the solution is to change for yourself.
2: hmm
1: And that, that was the thing you got through to me too is that everybody has motives. Now, you know, trying to figure out what those motives are and if it's... Like, for me, I, I like to help people because it makes me feel good. Yeah. Enough, and that's but... honest
0: and that's one of the most... Uh, at the core, is the most purest... Right. You're saying I like for the same reason I got high uh-huh. is why I like helping people.
2: The right. effect produced.
0: Uh. So that's why a lot of people love service mm-hmm. and recovery is because they're addicted to that feeling. Right. And it's a different addiction. Right. But it's one of the most healthiest addictions.
1: But yeah it's the same thing that you were saying too is uh, like I was helping this lady fucking this lady man <laughs> she's two doors down she decides to cut down all of her cactus plants, or she hires yeah. some guy to do it so she yeah. cuts all the cactus leaves them in the middle of the street Yeah. so there's fucking old ass lady's out there and she's scooping up cactus and I'm like hey do you need help and she's like "Yes." Yeah. So I'm like alright so I help her and as I'm doing it, I'm, like, looking around, like, anyone else seeing this shit? <laughs> <laughs> I want that credit. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I want that credit. And then after that, like, coming home, I fucking thorns all my hands and my yeah. feet. And I was like, fuck. <laughs> yeah, yeah, But, yeah, it's just one of those things where I generally just did it because I was, like, it makes me feel good to help. And it makes me feel like a fucking man. I'm like, yeah. check this out, you know? <laughs>
0: yeah. At the same time, I looked around.
1: Yeah, exactly. Said, exactly. Yeah. But the <laughs> only
0: thing that could heal those wounds on your hands is the feeling of helping that person. Like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's, like, it's real, like... That sense that you get from helping people, man, it's a drug. It's For sure. It's, I guess, um, being of service. Um, there's I don't know. I don't want to quote the Bible. We'll leave that out. I no, no, <laughs> no, no, What are you going say? Uh, no, I'm all right. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like Jesus for me. <laughs> Repent! <laughs> <laughs> there's nothing like the biggest honor. The biggest honor is to be of service to someone. Mm-hmm. And um, servitude. Um, but... If you're not of service to your family, your loved ones, the people closest to you, mm-hmm. you're no good to those in the world, right? right? So water the grass that you're standing in. I was always uh, trying to water the grass with this with my thumb over the hose mm-hmm. and get the furthest grass. Mm-hmm. When you, if you water right around your feet and you start walking around, you have more of an effect. Mm. And um you you of no use to your family if If everything you've learned in 12 steps and everything you've done in recovery is to just put on a facade and help strangers and uh, do things way out of, you know what I mean, your community and all that, like the whole point is to affect change from within yourself Mm -hmm. and then the next person I can reach out to within arm's reach Mm -hmm. and I I can't understand people who are shitty to their family and their, their kids or their jobs and like it when you become of service to everyone in your circle you affect your community and then from that it's supposed to be infectious and it'll go from there but um, overwhelming yourself with other things that it makes it f- uh, facetious and, and practical and then again you question what is that person's motives right are they trying to be so I've seen people try to sponsor 20 people 30 people and 10 people 15 people like how could you be if actually giving that individual time like how could you be giving that person the time that they need to get through these first 12 steps? You know what I mean? Like, their first if, time. if you're
1: a good sponsor, it's fucking exhausting to deal with someone. Because, yeah? like, uh, even, you know, you weren't even my sponsor. but I was calling you all the time. And I'd yeah. relapse. I'd call you. I'm like, I fucking need help with this guy. You know, if, if someone close to me was having a problem, I'd call you. I'm like, yeah. what should I do? Because, um, yeah, so it's one of those things where I trust your opinion. And I trust you're coming from a place where you don't have... Um, uh, ulterior motives, you know? I, I
0: thank God that I was just present enough to be available. hmm And you didn't take any time from me. Mm-hmm. I just thank God that I was sober and in a place in my life where I could answer the phone. Right. Because I avoided people for for stupid I've shit. I've done that too, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. so, when you're just not so self-absorbed right. and, um, only thinking about, uh, oh, God, I, really want to my oh, I need this much more sleep or oh, I'm about to eat dinner with this person. Like, you know, all this like, when you just pick up the phone and be available for someone that's in your life, like it presents you with the opportunity to help somebody. Right. And I thank God for me not being in a state where I'm passed out or in jail or dead or in a hospital where I can't pick up the phone. If I can pick up the phone, I'm going to pick up the phone and we're going to go from there. And that means you reached out to me. That, that lifeline to another human being, is that connection to people is God to me.
1: Yeah. Me
0: talking to you is God.
1: And that could be the difference. I mean, this it, podcast
0: is God.
1: <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Remember that? I use that sound bite. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's one of those things where it's, it's not, I don't want to say it's as dramatic as life and death, but it could be something where, you know, just you being there is like, oh, and then sometimes, you know, I've been fucked up for a week or two where my phone's off or whatever, and I come back and it's like, damn, I could have been there and I could have helped this person yeah. or whatever the case is. Nothing is, is trivial as. um.
0: And then you'll be like, and then 10 minutes later, it's like, fuck it. And <laughs> you know what yeah, me? yeah, like, I mean? I felt bad sucks. long <laughs> enough.
1: I felt bad long enough. Right. Fuck it. Uh, so yeah, we're uh, what's it called? What else do I want to talk to you about? I mean, we yeah, we can go on um, ask for hours. No, yeah, I just wanted away. to. If someone doesn't know what it's like to be an addict, uh, what would your comparison do? Because I I did a one on naps. Let's say as good as I got, but I feel like it's a really shitty comparison. What was it? Like, mine is, a, I consider, like, an, al- yeah. an alcoholic or a regular person. It's, yeah. like, people that can nap and people that can't nap. Because people that can nap are like, why don't you just take a nap? And yeah. like, I fucking can't nap. Yeah. And it's like, if people yeah. people that don't nap are like, yeah. are like well, how the fuck do you just sleep like that? Yeah. I don't and understand how. you. If just... I could
0: just sleep for 15 minutes right, and get up and say, Ha oh, I needed that. Just a quick refresh, you know what I'm saying? Then right. I would do that shit. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Like, so, it, you don't know if you don't know. But it's a feeling of impending doom. It's a feeling of I can't breathe. It's a feeling of conscious nightmare. You're in a nightmare. Your mouth is moving, but no words are coming out. Mm-hmm. That's what you feel like is going on in your life. I'm in a. I'm in a. I'm in a. I'm in a dream. My mouth is open, but nothing's coming out of my mouth. Right. You know that. That that feeling like I'm falling, but I never hit the ground. Imagine that feeling if you're you're falling off a building but you never hit the ground.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Isn't that fucking crazy? Right. That's crazy. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're falling off a building, you never hit the ground, dog. Mm-hmm. That's that's what it feels like to me. And um, for everyone, it's different. Mm-hmm. And that's what's crazy is because the human brain. I'm on. It's one of the world's greatest mysteries. No one, know, we don't understand the full function of the brain, Right. and um, no one knows what's going on in another person's individual, in another individual's brain. And um, but what, what, once they speak, once they actually speak, what makes humans great is they have the ability to articulate and to talk with compassion and conviction. And once they do, if you can hear for that person's heart and what those words are, and you can relate to it you'll be able to help that person. You'll be able to connect with that person and reach out to that person. But you don't know it until you talk to that person. So if you're that person that feels like they're falling, say something to someone that you love and speak. Don't isolate. Don't hide. Don't say, I don't want to bombard them with my shit. I don't want to put my shit on them. I've been a, I've been a drag on my family for so long. Reach out and ask for that fucking help. The hardest thing to do is to be that person that's falling and not have your hand out and and not be willing to, to reach. To be that person that's drowning with a life preserver right there near you and not be able to reach out to that life preserver. When you can see the fucking life preserver, but you say, I'm just going to keep swimming until I get tired. And some people die and some people say, I'm tired, I'm going to reach out and hit that lifesaver. And reach out to it. You know what I mean? When are you going to get tired of swimming in that deep ocean? With the life preserver right there. And some people have those things. And some people don't have those things. So that's why we have hotlines and numbers set up. And there's meeting directories online for you to reach out and go to meetings. Because there's people that are in those meetings that will help you. There's some genuinely good people I know you've met in those meetings. We met through a person, your old coach. and He's been a great friend of mine for years. You know, I mean, He saw me go up and down, up and down, up and down.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: He did up and down once, went to Thailand. It's about you motherfucking Muay Thai fighters in Thailand. He came back, jacked up. He got hot, you know what I mean? But when he came back, he had that last scare that he needed. And he's been right ever since. And he's still helping people. Mm-hmm. And uh, But it's like, uh, yeah, man, being in the ocean and choosing to swim. And it's like, when do you get tired of swimming? And when are you going to reach out and ask for help? That person has to ask for help, though. You yeah, know what I mean, or or they have to be around enough people that love them that'll pull them out.
1: Well, I think we should end it on that, guys. I think that's a, a great message right there. Um, do you have anything you want to say before we go?
0: I'm very happy to be here
1: <laughs> in America. <laughs> Podcast is God. Uh, yeah. yeah, that's that's fucking the soundbite of the year right there. Uh, thank you so much for coming, Daniel. Uh, we're definitely gonna get you back in here. I think this is something we should do a little bit more regularly to uh, to to help tell people out there. Hopefully. Uh, you know, one person fucking can get a little information and it's worth it. So, thank, thank you guys for making
0: me feel like the Ethiopian Dr. Drew. Bro. That's what's up. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys, take care. And if you need something, give us a holler. All right. Even though we
0: cheese, we still visualize places that we can roll a piece in. In my mind's eye, see this place the players going past. I got a spot for us all so we can roll. And those bitches, gang. Oh, my God in the sky.